This is Mark Stein. Winter is a big blah, so it's time to get out of town with the ultimate cabin fever reliever. Join me on the 2024 Mark Stein Caribbean cruise, sailing from Florida to the Bahamas, Jamaica, the Caymans, and Mexico for a full week of sun, sea, and civilizational collapse. I'll have special guests from around the world, from America, Canada, Britain, Europe, the House of Lords. And we'll do all the things you like about the Mark Stein Show and Stein Online, but close up and on water. More details at steinonline.com or marksteincruise.com. Mark Stein's Last Call. Happy New Year, and welcome to part two of our salute to some of the musical talents we've lost in the last 12 months, songwriters, singers, and a few other figures. And as with part one, uh, this show is dedicated to my late friend, Brian Savin, who was the producer of all my 7-8 radio songs of the week, and without whom a little bit of the fun has gone out of shows like these. Nevertheless, as Brian wanted, we will continue in 2024 to try to come up with an answer to this question. How do you keep the music playing? How do you make it last? How do you keep a song from fading? Too fast How do you lose yourself to someone And never lose your way How do you not run out of new things If we know we're always changing Why should it be the same? And tell me how year after year You're sure your heart will fall apart It's time you hear I know the way I feel for you It's now or never The more I love, the more that I'm afraid But in your eyes I may not see forever If, if 
we can be the best of lovers Yet be the best of friends If we can try with every day to make it better as it grows Any luck then I suppose The music The music The music Both Tony Bennett and Sinead O'Connor died. Mr. Bennett nearly made it to 100 and can claim, as few other near centenarians can, that he died as an A-list celebrity. Miss O'Connor barely made it to half that age, and when she died, everyone played her breakthrough hit as if it had all been downhill from there. She moved back to London in 2022, and she had been in touch with a mutual friend, which made me think... Things had maybe stabilised a little, but it is hard to overcome the death of a child and even harder to overcome the suicide of a child. I had the pleasure of Sinead's company a few times over the years. She was obviously a fragile and damaged person, but she was serious and perceptive and intelligent about the music, as we will hear. At one point, I knew her older brother, Joseph O'Connor, a little better. He's a novelist, and he used to come on the BBC's Loose Ends, about which uh, more later. And afterwards, we'd all go to the terrible BBC pub, The George, and Joseph, I recall, as a man of conventional literary lefty views. At that time, he was on the board of... Uh, the British Nicaraguan Friendship Society, or some such. So he was pro-Sandinista. But he was immensely secure, and so wore the politics lightly. They didn't eat away at him, as one felt all the Pope business did with his sister. So I am inclined to cut her some slack on the IRA stuff and all the other rubbish. She was just one of those raw talents that the music biz hits full on and leaves for roadkill. As you'll know if you read Laura Rosen Cohen here at Stein Online, Morrissey listed a few of the others. Judy Garland, Amy Winehouse, Whitney Houston. I heard last year, by the way, that Morrissey watches the Mark Stein show, which is odd because I'm Mr. Squaresville. But as square as I am, I still play a lot of Sinead. We play her version of Silent Night Most Christmases and her version of Scarlet Ribbons and of my all-time favourite Irish folk song. She moved through the fair. A lot of good things in her catalogue. One of the last times I saw her, she was singing Gershwin with Larry Adler, the great, the great uh, mouth organist whom you may have heard talking about 
time on my hands on our serenade radio show a fortnight or so back. He and Sinead were doing a rather tricky number from Porgy and Pess. Uh, and he said to her at one point, talk to Stein about it. He knows more about Gershwin than I do, which uh, was completely ridiculous because he'd been a good pal of both George and Ira. And as a matter of fact, whenever he did a Gershwin evening, he wore George's tails, which he'd been given by Ira after George George's death. Anyway, I thought Sinead had really made the song work for her. Larry wasn't quite so sure, and he wondered whether she mightn't have been a little out of her depth. Uh, He was appearing on my BBC show, and I said how much I liked Sinead's track, and he didn't disagree, but he didn't match my enthusiasm. So it was a pre-taped interview, and about half an hour after he'd left, I was in the BBC control room, and the telephone rings, and it's Larry Adler for me, And he says that on reflection, he felt he wasn't quite rhapsodic enough about Sinead. And could I edit him into sounding more ardent about her performance? And I said, I knew how to edit out things you wish you hadn't said. But I wasn't so sure how you went about editing in things that you had not, in fact, said at all. But I'd give it my best and I put the phone down. And about 10 minutes later, the BBC telephone rings again, and this time it's George Martin, the producer of the record, and of the Beatles and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, and, uh, and he says, uh, look, Mark, I hear you're having Larry Adler on the show today, and I'm sure you'd love to get him to trash the Sinead crack, uh, track and make all the gossip columns, but really I'd rather you didn't. And it's an hour or two to airtime, and I'm really busy, so I say to him rather peremptorily, look, I really love the track. It's all you guys who seem to be riddled with doubts about it. Could, so could you just leave me the hell out of all this? It'd be much appreciated. And the years roll by, and I still love this record. Sinead O'Connor with Larry Adler from Porgy and Bess. My man's gone now, ain't no For his tired footsteps Climbing up the stairs All man's sorrows come to I lost 
Sinead O'Connor sings Porgy and Bess, words by Dubose Hayward, music by George Gershwin. Alongside Sinead at Abbey Road that day, on the harmonica, George Gershwin's old friend Larry Adler, with George Martin and the orchestra. A very sincere performance by Sinead, as was almost everything she did. Mark Stein's last call, remembering Sinead O'Connor and Tony Bennett. Here's Signor Benedetto with a song of his people, but an arrangement of my people by the greatest of all Canadian arrangers, Robert Farnan. Light them up, Tony.
Whoa! Oh, Mio, written by Eduardo DiCapia, DiCapua, uh, Giovanni Capuro, and Alfredo Mazzucci. And if you heard our Serenade radio show on the subject, you'll know that that last name is the reason why a song written in 1898 will be in copyright till the middle years of the 21st century. Tony Bennett with orchestra arranged and conducted by Robert Farnan, uh, recorded in London in 1972. And if you go on the internet, uh, on YouTube and whatever, you'll find a gazillion comments from people going, ha, what a putz, Tony Bennett likes to pretend he's Italian. And he doesn't even know it's O Sole Mio. He keeps singing O Sole Mia, the schmuck. Uh, well, no, uh, Senior Capuro's lyric is not Italian, it's Neapolitan. And in Neapolitan, the word spelt M-I-O is pronounced Mia. As if it's got a, let me see, a Y-U-H at the end, <laughs> Mia. Uh, Naples is in Southern Italy. And uh, Antonio Benedetto's family comes from about two hours south of there, so he knows whereof he sings, unlike the morons online scoffing at his uh, stupidity. We'll have more from both Tony Bennett and Sinead O'Connor a little later. Sir Michael Parkinson died in August. He was the Dean of Talk Show Hosts in the UK and in Australia and in several other places from 1970 onwards. I did his show every week. Uh, I think it was every Thursday. I think it was, for a few years at LBC in London. He taught me a lot about broadcasting, about interviewing. I mentioned him not so long ago uh, about using him as the straight man in a bit of shtick about teaching a non-Italian how to sing Volari for the Eurovision Song Contest. Parkey wasn't impressed by the American talk show format. He thought having a desk next to an orchestra was fundamentally stupid and that the desk killed the possibility of real conversation. And whenever I'd get too enthused about some aspect of Yank Telly, he'd mock me with, oh, you just want to be American. It won't work out for you. Uh, which brings us back to my 12th year in the choked toilet of the District of Columbia Superior Court. So I have to concede he was totally right about that. Uh, Michael and I like the same kind of music pretty much. He once had on the American jazz singer and pianist uh, Anne Hampton Calloway, and he read out a paragraph or two from a, a recent newspaper review of her in concert that Anne quite liked. <laughs> but Parky scoffed, what a pret in his Yorkshire accent. I don't think I can do Yorkshire accents any anymore. What a pretentious load of balls. At which point I walked in and said, uh, actually, Michael, that review is by me. So he <laughs> took a closer look at the newspaper clipping and went, oh, yeah, so it is. Well, it's still a pretentious load of balls. Uh, one thing I loved about the show was his theme tune. It was written by Harry Stoneham, a great jazz organist who died five years ago. Harry played it at a hell of a lick, uh, but as the decades rolled by, it got slower and sounded even better. Here it is with Phil Collins sitting in on drums, a bit too plonkingly rock and rolly, I'd say, for such a loose jazzy tune, but see what you think. 
theme to the Parkinson show. And that applause is because Parky has walked down the stairs uh, and uh, tipped his hat to the band. The music was written by Harry Stoneham in 1970 and heard on TV and radio in the UK, in Australia and in many other places for the next 40 years. That was Laurie Holloway and the band with the tune slowed down, orchestrated and with uh, Phil Collins sitting in on drums on a 1980, 1998 edition of the show. Parkey got all the big name guests except one. He always wanted to land Frank Sinatra and he'd had Sammy Carl on the show. Sammy was the lyricist of The Tender Trap, Come Fly With Me, All The Way, My Kind Of Town. And he was the one who connected me with Sinatra because Sammy was very generous like that and Frank owed him. Uh, and in fact, it was Sammy Khan who connected Michael Parkinson with Frank. Might even have been me who suggested to Sammy that he do that. Anyway, Parky was out in California one time and Sammy invited him to a party and sort of inveigled him into a corner with Sinatra. And Michael and Frank were shooting the breeze and getting along great. And as the party wound down, Michael said, hey, great talking with you, Frank. Maybe see you in London. And Frank said, yeah, sure thing, David. <laughs> By the way, just for the record, <laughs> he got my name right. Uh, Michael loved to tell that anecdote against himself. I guess he, uh, Frank might have been confusing him with David Frost, possibly, but it would have been a great interview. Here's one he did get, Fred Astaire. Aside from being a dancer, a singer, an actor, Fred was a songwriter, uh, just because he liked doing it. And on Parkinson in the 70s, he sang a brand new song he'd just written, A Valentine to Los Angeles. Well, the first one you're, you're going to sing is, in fact, a, a song about Los Angeles, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's fine. And it's called City of the Angels. Gather round me, join me in a toast To that California town I love the most City of the Angels, pretty city of the angels that's the only place I really want to be Life's a taste of honey When the days are bright and sunny While you dream of picking money off a tree City of the angels Pretty city of the angels How I hate to leave her Even for a while Especially when it's cloudy, she's got ways of saying howdy, making everyone so proud, he wears a smile. L.A. doesn't begin to describe her name. She'll stay under your skin like a dame. If you got a craven, if you're looking for a haven, all my best advice I'm saving for the end. Train or boat or jet there, 
just as soon as you can get there. And I'll bet that you'll be met there by a friend. Splash in the sea and foam. Cash in Paris and Rome. Just a little change will make the city of the angels your home. If you're looking for a haven, all my best advice I'll tell you once again. Train or boat or jet there, just as soon as you can get there. And I'll bet that you'll be met there by a friend. Oh, somewhere the hearts are fine. Come where the stars still shine. And you'll be sitting pretty in the city of those angels of mine. Fred Astaire on The Parkinson Show singing City of the Angels, a song he wrote with Tommy Wolfe. Mr. Wolfe is best known as the composer of Spring Can Really Hang You Up the Most. But uh, by the time he was writing with Fred, he was mostly writing lyrics. Sometimes people uh, switch like that. City of the Angels. I wonder what Fred Astaire and Tommy Wolfe would write if they had lived to see the Los Angeles of today. You know, as I was listening to that, I suddenly remembered a, a lovely evening I had just a couple of years back with my sweet gingerbread gal, Jessica Martin, and Fred's daughter, Ava Astaire, and her husband. Uh, Jessica and Ava did an Astaire tribute at the London Palladium one time, and they stayed friends, and so I had the pleasure of telling Ava how much I liked her dad's songwriting and piano playing. If you watch any Astaire movie where he plays an upright piano, you'll notice they take the wooden panel off the front. So if you know your pianos, uh, you can see that the hammers are striking in all the right places and that therefore it's actually Fred himself playing the old Joanna. He's not just pretending to. I didn't think it was a bit deal at the time, me chit-chatting with Ava Astaire about her dad, but from my sick bed, it seems like the kind of evening that will never come again. A lot of things are not going to come again. That's uh, Fred singing Astaire on Parkinson. And I thank Michael, Sir Michael, as he became, uh, for bringing us that and many other unique performances. I blew out my flip-flop Stepped on a pop top Cut my heel, had to cruise on back home But there's booze in the blender 
and soon it will render that frozen concoction that helps me hang on. Wasting away again in Margaritaville, searching for. Some people claim that there's a woman to blame, but I know it's my own damn fault. That's a lyric that lands. Jimmy Buffett told his producer he was having a bad day. He'd lost one of his flip-flops on the way back from the bar, and he'd cut his foot on a beer can, and he couldn't find the salt for his margarita. So he thought he'd write it all up as a song, and his producer, Norbert Putnam, told him it was a really lousy idea for a song. Jimmy Buffett died in September. Back in 1977, Margaritaville wasn't that big a hit in America, and it did nothing much in the rest of the world, number 98 in Australia. But Mr. Buffett parlayed his song into a brand, not just as a title for compilation albums and a Broadway musical and his Sirius XM satellite radio channel, but also international chains of bars and cafes and restaurants and casino resorts and a cruise ship line. So he became an extremely wealthy man. Unlike almost everyone else he was sharing the hit parade with back then, he didn't wind up third build on an oldies night tour at the Rialto. Uh, That said, I'm not much for margaritas, and the thought of three weeks in Margaritaville somewhat depresses me. I prefer this more modest hit from three years earlier, 1974, always reminds me of the magnificent first year of Capital Radio in London. They played it a lot, and I only wish Dave Cash or Tommy Vance or Roger Scott were here to introduce it. But they're not, so you'll have to make do with me. Jimmy Buffett's first real hit. Come Monday, it'll be all right. Heading up to San Francisco For the Labor Day weekend show I got my hush puppies on I guess I never was meant for glitter rock and roll And honey, I didn't know That I'd be missing you so Come Monday, it'll be alright Come Monday, I'll be holding you tight I spent four lonely days in a brown early haze And I just want you back by my side Yes, it's been quite a summer Rent a car Westbound trains And now you're off on vacation Something you tried to explain 
And darling, it's I love you so That's the reason I just let you go Come Monday, it'll be alright Come Monday, I'll be holding you tight I spent four lonely days in a brown L.A. haze And I just want you back by my side I can't help it, honey You're that much a part of me now Remember that night in Montana When we said there'd be no room for doubt I hope you're enjoying the scenery I know that it's pretty up there We can go hiking on Tuesday With you I'd walk anywhere California has worn me quite thin I just can't wait to see you again Come Monday, it'll be alright Come Monday, I'll be holding you tight I spent four lonely days in a brown LA haze And I just want you back by my side I spent four Come Monday, it'll be all right. Jimmy Buffett just squeaking into the top 30 at number 30 in 1974. From Margaritaville to Tarantella Town. This is a terrific piece of material, a Tarantella Napoletana. Uh, to take us back to uh, Tony Bennett territory... in 1835 uh, the music is by Rossini the lyrics by Count Carlo Pepoli the hour is made for dancing anyone in love will not be lacking already the moon is over the sea mamma mia we're going to leap indeed here is the Slovak soprano Patricia Janečkova Thank you. 
by Signor Rossini and Count Papoli as sung by Patricia Janetschkova. She was still a teenager and did not yet know she was more than halfway through her career. Miss Janetschkova was born in Bavaria to Slovak parents, then moved to the Czech Republic and became an overnight sensation when she won the Czechoslovak TV show Talent Mania in uh, 2010. Here is that telly moment, unforgettable for anyone watching in Middle Europa. A 12-year-old girl sings Andrea Bocelli's signature song.
Andrea Bocelli introduced that song at the 1995 San Remo Music Festival in Italy, Conte Patiro, by composer Francesco Sartori and lyricist Lucio Quarantotto. Uh, Signor Bocelli then teamed up with Andrew Lloyd Webber's ex, Sarah Brightman, on an Italian-German duet version, Time to Say Goodbye, that became one of the biggest selling records on the planet ever. But if you're Czech or Slovak, that version is the one you will treasure. The song a 12-year-old girl sang at her first audition in 2010. Patricia Janeczkova had more than enough musical talent for the next half century or so, but in 2022 she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And time to say goodbye showed up early in October. She was 25 Time to say goodbye to Annabelle Giles, who died in November, not quite as young as Miss Janetchkova, but still far too young. She had been diagnosed with a brain tumour just four months earlier. A long, long time ago, Annabelle and I were part of the team on the BBC's Loose Ends show with Ned Sharon. The format was Posh Totty with Oiky Blokes. Uh, so there was Annabelle and Victoria Mather and Emma Freud and dear Carol Thatcher. And then Craig Charles, Robert Elms, Arthur Smith. Uh, and I got in. I don't think of myself as particularly oiky, but I'm a colonial. So apparently that makes me oiky by definition. Uh, the exception to the rule was Stephen Fry. And it was a wonderfully convivial show, and when it was over, we all repaired to the terrible local pub, The George, including all the celebs, whether Sting or Hermione Gingold, they'd all come along and get semi-rat-arsed. Um, Annabelle started as a model. She was the face of Max Factor, and uh, a very beautiful face. And then she became a presenter and an actress and a novelist, rather good novelist, made me laugh out loud on planes and all kinds of other things. Almost everything she did, she succeeded at. She married and divorced a rock star, Midge Year of Ultravox, and was, until that turbo tumor showed up in July, a great survivor. Uh, once after the show in the pub, we were talking about education. And she said she'd left her girls' school at the age of 16. She'd snuck out, she hadn't meant to, she'd snuck out from the dorm after dark to go and see Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel live in Bristol. Nobody would call a band Cockney Rebel today because Cockneys are all but extinct in the new London, but it was a very plausible pop group name back then. Uh, so Annabelle was very crafty about all her sneaking and skulking to get into the gig, but it was such a great concert that she wanted to meet Mr Harley and his band afterwards. So in order to get his attention... <laughs> She came out and stood in the street looking all sultry and trying to smoke a cigarette like uh, Lauren Bacall. And uh, unfortunately, she was seen by someone from the school and they expelled her. But it was worth it because the band played their latest hit. What was it the exasperated headmistress said to her? You've done it all. You've broken every code. You've done it all. 
nothing left All gone and run away Maybe you'll tarry for a while It's just a test A game for us to play Win or lose It's hard to smile Resist, resist It's from yourself a song worth getting expelled for. Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel in 1975. Make Me Smile, Come Up and See Me, written by Steve Harley and produced by Alan Parsons. Before the Alan Parsons Project, for all you Austin Powers fans, a much-recorded song uh, by Duran Duran, Erasure, but that is the original. Number one in the UK, number five in the Netherlands, number seven in Belgium, number 15 in South Africa, number 17 in Australia, number 20 in West Germany, but in America. It could do no better on the Billboard Hot 100 than number 96. In memory of my loose ends comrade Annabel Giles, who died in November. Annabel and Steve Harley and that song remind me of happier times on the telly, on radio and in life. They indeed make me smile.
We noted the passing in December of Lola D and Denny Lane by playing on one of our pre-Christmas shows their respective Christmas hits. As a matter of fact, I hadn't heard Lola D singing Dig That Crazy Santa Claus for decades uh, until I played it myself on my show. And since then, for some reason, I've heard it a zillion times. Most odd. Uh, but I thought we ought to play a couple of their non-Christmas hits. Lola D was born in Chicago in 1928. At the age of 14, she was a regular on ABC TV's Junior Junction. Uh, and was signed to a recording contract by Mercury. At the age of 16, she grossed a whopping $47,375 on seven dates in various ballrooms in and around the Chicago area. She and the crew cuts broke the house record at the Orpheum Theatre in Madison, Wisconsin, and in two gigs at the Music Hall of Purdue University, she pulled in 11,000 customers. This was a hit for her under the name Lola Amici, her mother's maiden name. Hit City Hot City. Hit City Hot City, Hit city, hot city, hot city, city, it's a lovely day. I gotta meet my city, with see, is it any wonder why I'm gay? Hit city, hot city, hot city, city, love has come my way. These funny little words I love to sing, cause I'm in love, you see. These funny little words don't mean a thing to anyone but me. and his orchestra in 1951. Hit city, hot city, hootsie tootsie, jigger, jigger, jig, bayoom, baye, is it any wonder why I'm gay? 
that song is by Al Hoffman and Clem Watts, uh, who also wrote, If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd Have Baked a Cake. Uh, Clem Watts is a pseudonym for the band leader we just heard, Al Trace. Al Hoffman went on to write, Hot diggity, dog ziggity, boom, what you do to me? I have always wanted to do a medley of Hit City, Hot City and Hot diggity, dog ziggity, uh, but after three heart attacks, my doctors advise against it. Lola D died in December at the age of 95. Denny Lane predeceased her by two days. We played the big hit he wrote with Paul McCartney for Wings, Mull of Kintar, but Wings was his second big rock band. The first was the Moody Blues, uh, for whom he played guitar and sang on one of their biggest hits. And when he was on the road with Wings, Paul McCartney didn't want to pull rank and just do a bunch of his Beatles songs. So he invited Mr. Lane to do his Moody Blues blockbuster with Paul and Linda McCartney singing backup vocals. We've already said...
Written by Larry Banks and Milton Bennett and first recorded by Larry's wife, Bessie Banks. But a huge hit for Denny Lane with the Moody Blues and revived there by Denny Lane with Paul and Linda McCartney on the road with Wings in 1976. There aren't a lot of songs called Brandy, but the two most popular ones were both written in 1971. How about that? You may recall the first one, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl, a hit for Looking Glass, but you may not know this one, or at least not by this title. I remember all night and night down as cold taking but I sent you away because I was expecting someone with an entirely different name. Scott English, who isn't English, singing a song he wrote with Richard Kerr, who is. A few years later, uh, Barry Manilow liked the song but felt that Looking Glass had cornered the market on hits named Brandy, uh, so changed the lady's name to Mandy and the rest is history. It's the song that made Manilow a star. Uh, no disrespect to the late Mr. English, but I have to say that his record pales in comparison to the version I heard his co-writer Richard Kerr sing at the Society of Distinguished Songwriters, the Sods, uh, their annual ladies' night in London last year. It was full of emotion. Richard did not know he was beginning the last year of his life. Here from the 70s is Richard Kerr's earlier recording of his song. He sings it as Mandy... Not Brandy, because as he was happy to concede, Barry Manilow was right, and Mandy is a much better title. I remember all my life Raining down as cold as eyes Shadows of a man, a face through a window Crying in the night as night goes into morning just another day Happy people pass my way Looking in their eyes I see a memory I never realized How happy you made me Oh, Mandy Well, you came and you gave Without taking But I sent you away Oh, Mandy Kiss me and stop me from shaking 
singing one of his many hit songs. His fellow songwriters sang it in his memory at this year's Society of Distinguished Songwriters dinner in London just a few weeks ago. I said we'd return to Sinead O'Connor and Tony Bennett. And one day, I would say 30-something years ago, my assistant, Moni, whose bother boots, whose Doc Martens, I uh, mentioned uh, on uh, our show sometime in the course of uh, 2023. One day, Moni came in and held up a CD. Sinead O'Connor's Made a Standards album, she said. Oh, God. God almighty, I groaned, imagining something in the vein of, I think it was Robert Palmer's that was going around at that time. I don't think Rod Stewart had yet begun his... Rod Stewart sings every single song you've ever heard of in one take series. Um, but anyway, Moni said, no, no, you'll like this one. And as she invariably is, Moni was quite right. This wasn't the usual elderly rockers midlife crisis standards album. Sinead made this as the follow-up to her breakthrough album, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. You can imagine how thrilled the record company was about that. But as with almost everything else she did, it was completely sincere. She described this album as the songs that made me want to become a singer. And a lovely selection they are too. There are tracks from this album you'll hear on our shows to this day. Have you ever heard Sinead Swinging? 
Uh, well, written for the film Calamity Jane in 1953, here's a big swinging arrangement by a guy who worked a lot with uh, Tony Bennett, actually, Tori Zito, in case you're wondering what Tony Bennett and Sinead O'Connor had in common. Start spreading the news, Sinead. <laughs> Chum Sammy Fane, words by Paul Francis Webster. My secret love's no secret anymore. Did you know Sinead O'Connor secretly loved Doris Day? I had the pleasure of telling Miss O'Connor how much I love that track and how I like to drive around New Hampshire blasting it out. When you do something for love, you want other people to love it too. And all the music biz wankers, the label execs, the promotional guys, won't do that because all they want from you is nothing compares to you still. Sinead ventured into all kinds of music and I hope she knew many of us loved her for that. I worry that she 
did not. I said, do you want to hear Sinead swinging? Well, she's not really swinging there. Tori Zito and the band are swinging the hell out of that chart. And she's just sitting on top of it doing her thing, and very pleasant it is too. Uh, but here's some real hardcore swinging from Tony Bennett. You know, when that Sinead track came out, I love the way all these know-nothing rock critics said, why would anyone do this to a beloved Doris Day movie ballad? Well, here's another counterintuitive take on a song usually given the ballad treatment. But actually, Mr. Bennett's version is, I think, just right for the manic quality of the lyric. So I talk a little too much and I laugh a little too much. And my voice is too loud when I'm out in a crowd so that people are apt to stare. We have all been there at the end of a love affair. So I walk a little too fast And I drive a little too fast And I'm reckless, it's true But what else can you do At the end of a love affair So I talk a little too much And I laugh a little too much And my voice is too loud When I'm out in a crowd So that people are apt to stare do they know, do they care that it's only that I'm lonely and low as can be? And the smile on my face isn't really a smile at all. So I smoke a little too much. And I drink a little too much And the tunes I request Are not always the best But the ones where the trumpets blast So I go at a maddening pace And I pretend that it's taking a place but what else can you do at the end of a love affair?
got its own way That I'm lonely and low as can be And the smile on my face isn't really a smile at all So I smoke a little too much And I drink a little too much And the tunes I request are not always the best for the ones where the trumpets blast. Yeah, so I go at a maddening pace And I pretend that it's taking a place But what else can you do at the end of a life? So I smoke a little too much and I drink a little too much and the tunes I request are not always the best, but the ones where the trumpets blare. That's the only lasting song by a guy called Edward C. Redding. But if you're only going to leave behind one enduring standard, that is a pretty great one. Tony Bennett with orchestra arranged and conducted by Bob Farnan, recorded in London in 1972. You know, I got an email the other day from a guy who'd bought the Tony Bennett box set with all, uh, whatever it is, 347 albums that he made for Columbia on it. And my correspondent wanted to know what was my favorite of those, you know, 539 albums. And I had to tell him my favorite Tony Bennett album wasn't on that box set because he'd made it in the small window of opportunity when he was on the outs with Columbia. Uh, Clive Davis, the label head, had made Bennett do songs he didn't want to do by Lennon and McCartney and the like, and he called it Tony Bennett Sings the Great Songs of Today. Tony, Tony's problem was that he didn't think they were that great, so much so that he was physically sick before one of the sessions. Tony Bennett pukes the great songs of today. So he and Columbia parted ways for a while, and at a rather dark time in his life, he flew off to London, took up with the wondrous Robert Farnan, and made an album that's pure joy. Uh, that terrific piano solo, by the way, I'd forgotten how good that is. It's John Bunch, if memory serves. <laughs> Roger Whittaker died in September at the age of 87. He and I had the same tour promoter for a little while, and when my young American ladies appeared not to recognize his name, I explained that he was the most famous Kenyan on the planet 
until Obama came along. And that's true. He was born in Nairobi. Uh, Roger, that is, not uh, Barack. Barack, of course, is from Mombasa. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's what his publicist said for many years. Uh, his book publicist. Um, anyway, with... Uh, Pop stars, uh, you know how it goes. You're a big band singer or you're a disco diva and then big bands or disco fall out of favour and you hope to hang on to enough of your former luster uh, to make a living in the years that remain. But Roger Whittaker spent seven decades, seven decades at odds with whatever passing fad happened to be passing and it made no difference at all. Here he is with an old English folk song that I love. In 1855, uh, in his collection Popular Music of the Olden Time, the great British music publisher William Collins pronounced this one of the top three favourite songs of the serving maid class. So all you serving maids out there, get ready to sing along. On the other hand... Uh, if you were a Canadian kid, anywhere near a TV set between the 1950s and the 1980s, this will prompt an entirely different set of associations. Uh, it's the theme tune from The Friendly Giant. Oh, and all the whistling is Roger Whittaker too. He is one of the world's most formidable whistlers. One morning, just as the sun was rising, I heard a maiden singing in the valley below. Oh, don't deceive me. Oh, never leave me. How could you use a sun was rising, I heard a maiden singing in the valley below. Roger Whittaker and one of the loveliest of English folk songs, even if the loveliness 
The beguilingness of the tune is a little at odds with the too familiar tale told by the lyric. How could you use a poor old maiden so? I said Roger was always at odds with whatever was the current thing. Rock and roll, psychedelia, punk, new wave. He just did his thing. This was a top 10 hit for him in 1986 midst... George Michael and Bananarama and Whitney Houston. It's a Gaelic tune from the early 18th century to which new words were appended in the 19th century. Uh, words about Bonnie Prince Charlie, the Stuart claimant to the thrones of Scotland, Ireland and England after the um, Battle of Culloden in uh, 1746, I think it was, the prince was on the lamb, trying to stay one step ahead of the British army, which eventually uh, prompted him to take a boat to the Hebrides off the northwest coast of Scotland. Uh, these are the lyrics as written by Sir Harold Bolton, second baronet, and uh, published in 1884. Roger Whittaker mostly whistles on this track, although he uh, joins in with Des O'Connor's vocal as the thing proceeds. But it was unusual to have top 10 whistlers in the hit parade in the 1980s. I remember when I was a kid, they re-released Bing Crosby's White Christmas one year, and the singles reviewer at NME the new Musical Express, um, some long-forgotten rock critic, uh, was scoffing at how Squaresville Bing was to whistle on a pop record. Well, Roger Whittaker defied such scoffing by the rockers and rocketed up the hit parade. Yeah. 
like a bird on the wing over the sea to sky. Sky Boat Song, Des O'Connor on most of the vocals there, Roger Whittaker on all of the whistling and the guitar. That was such a big hit uh, that the Sky Tourist Board now uses as its slogan, Over the Sea to Sky. I adored both uh, Des and Roger. I once wrote in the London Evening Standard that I decided to come out as a desbian. Uh, That's someone who loves Des O'Connor. Des liked the line, but confessed he was a little worried that it might catch on. Uh, That didn't happen. Story of my foreshortened life. In the early 70s, Roger Whittaker had a show on BBC Radio in which he sang songs with whatever Beeb orchestra it was. I can't remember now. But he also had, on that show, a weekly feature in which listeners were invited to send in their poems, verses, lyrics, and he would select one of them to write a tune to. So a listener in Birmingham, a silversmith by profession called Ron Webster, sent in a poem he'd written. And Roger liked it and set it to music and then sang it with the full orchestra. And unlike most of the weekly winners, he uh, liked this one enough to uh, to stick it on an album. It was just side two, track five or whatever it was. Didn't, you know, just a track on an album. Uh, but four years later, 1975, an American lady chanced to be north of the border And a Canadian radio station happened to play the track while she was listening. And the American lady loved it, got back to Atlanta, Georgia, and told her hubby, who was a program director for a local radio station, uh, that he should get his disc jockeys to play this track. So he did. And it became one of the biggest selling records worldwide ever. Number one in a dozen countries. Uh, Roger Whittaker very modestly attributed its success to the intro you're about to hear, arranged by Zach Lawrence, heavy on the French horn. But I can never hear the intro without thinking of our pal Tim Rice. A zillion years ago on BBC telly, they had a pop quiz hosted by Terry Wogan with Roger Scott and Tim Rice as the team captains. Roger was a legendary DJ on Fox in Montreal and then Capital Radio in London. Uh, And Tim was not yet the Tony and Oscar-winning lyricist. And one of the quiz rounds was Beat the Intro, where they play the intro of a record and you're supposed to tell them the name of the record. So Terry Wogan played the intro and then asked Tim Rice what it was. And Tim said, Oh, I well remember the first time I heard that. It was 30 seconds ago, which I thought was a pretty funny line. But something like 12 million record buyers would beg to disagree. And the title of this song uh, seems oddly apt for the theme of our show this week. Here's that French horn followed by a Kenyan Roger. (laughs) 
There's a ship lies rigged and ready in the harbor Tomorrow for old England, she says Far away from your land of endless sunshine To my land full of rainy skies again And I shall be aboard that ship tomorrow Though my heart is full of tears at this farewell For you are beautiful And I have loved you dearly More dearly than the spoken word can tell For you are beautiful And I have loved you dearly More dearly than the spoken word can tell I heard there's a wicked war ablaze And the taste of war I know so very well Even now I see the foreign flag arrange Their guns on fire as we sail into hell I have no fear of death, it brings no sorrow But how bitter will be this last farewell For you are beautiful And I have loved you dearly More dearly than the spoken word can tell For you are beautiful And I have loved you dearly More dearly than the spoken word can tell Though death and darkness gather all about me And my ship be torn apart upon the sea I shall smell again the fragrance of these eyes In the heaving waves that brought me once to be And should I return safe home again to England I shall watch the English mist roll through the dead For you are beautiful And I have loved you dearly More dearly than the spoken word are beautiful and I have loved you dearly more dearly than the spoken word can tell The Last Farewell, Roger Whittaker, with orchestra arranged and conducted by Zach Lawrence, 
Music by Roger Whittaker. Words by Birmingham silversmith Ron Webster. And Ron did very nicely out of that because Across the Planet, that is one of the 30 biggest selling singles of all time. Number 28, in fact. There's a ship lies rigged and ready in the harbour. Tomorrow for old England she sails. And that is our last farewell to those we lost in 2023. My ship lies rigged and ready in the harbour, but we will return with more music, more songs of the week throughout 2024. Happy New Year. Mark Stein's Last Call is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. All rights reserved.